Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. I'm really excited to have Stephanie Lindquist with me today. She is so amazing and inspiring, and I feel like I have just met a new sister. And the time that we've spent together has been oh so impactful for me. And you know we have so much in common, and I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her as well. She is a serial entrepreneur. She loves the startup world and putting systems and operations in place. And some of her specialty areas are like investment funds and putting business management and structure into place to ensure that when a company is ready to grow, that they have those next steps already in place so they can scale. She's so resourceful and inspirational. And honestly, some of the little tidbits she has given me already, I've implemented at Corporate Cause Agency and has made a huge difference. So she's amazing and she has more grit than anybody else I know. She's a master's lifter in Olympic weightlifting and she competed in the 2018 Masters Worlds. She is currently ranked number 17th in the world and she's ranked number one in California and she's also a breast cancer survivor and I my heart is so with Stephanie all the time and I'm so excited to have you on my show. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much Taverly. I'm happy to be here. It's cool to be able to hang out and share all the things about life and survival and business. And then of course, weightlifting, which is, I have to admit, there's not a lot of people that I've met that have like all of those same things in common. <laughs> I feel like you're my new sister. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, we both have a passion for uh, the sport of weightlifting in our own way. And uh, I, I feel like it's something that women, once they really tap into, they, uh, they get to run with it and find their power. Yeah. And doesn't it always feel amazing to find how your body can do new things, especially for you? I mean, you've, you've been through a lot of health stuff and we'll talk about that, but you know, I've been through a lot of health stuff too, definitely not breast cancer, but I have, you know, half of the organs that I was born with. And I have, it's funny, the other day I, I actually counted, I have 31 incisions on my abdomen. And I think to myself, wow, none of that makes any difference to me. It doesn't matter. My body still does amazing things. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't have 31, but I'm probably about half that. And so I can definitely relate to um, what needs to go into recovering from those kinds of surgeries, both right. mentally and physically. And I have found um, weightlifting to be a really great home and support community for me to, to do that with. Yeah. And I also think that it also plays a part in, in recovery. You know, one of the things that I know, at least for the last couple of surgeries that I've had were my knee, but I know that part of the reason why I recovered at the speed that I did and was able to rehab and bounce back was because I was already in good shape. I was already taking care of my joints and my muscles and my blood flow and my nutrition, because all of those things are a huge part of recovery. They are. It's so interesting because when I was diagnosed with cancer and I went in and talked to my oncologist, you know, I was of course really afraid and scared and wasn't sure how cancer treatment was going to impact my ability to be fit and active and all the things that I was used to doing with my body. 
And he looked at me and he said, you're going to get through this better than anybody who's ever walked into my office because you're so fit and you've been already eating healthy mm-hmm. and it's already part of your routine. And he was right. I told people, oh, I went for a 5K run the day after my first chemo. And I have survivor friends that go, what are you talking about? You know, I was in bed like sick. And I just, I, I swear it's because I was fit and strong and healthy and I ate, ate healthy and I went in in the best possible shape you know, both mentally and physically. And then I was able to get through it so much better because of that. Mm, That's a big piece of it. The mental part as well. I mean, I think, I think of sports overall. In fact, I was just having a conversation with somebody today about that. Um, I was meeting my dentist. We had a, my dentist and I had a a little, a little date this morning to get my teeth cleaned and (laughs) and it was early. And he said, "Um, did you just, are you going to the gym? And I said, no, I was at the gym at 530 this morning. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, I, I'm competing in three weeks. This is my peak week. You don't miss, you don't, you don't, you don't miss a lift when you're preparing to compete, as you know, even if you have a dentist appointment at eight o'clock in the morning, you still get it done. And, and he just kind of looked at me a little bit strange. And I, I reminded him that to me, keeping my mental state strong is about keeping my body strong because they go hand in hand. I, I'm a 100% believer that if you want to keep your, your mental state in a really good place, you have to exercise in some way, shape, or form. You have to work on your body. I agree. The other interesting thing that I've noticed over the years is the times in my life where I've been more disciplined in going to the gym. And you know, right now I'm on a weightlifting team. Actually, two of our athletes are looking like they're going to end up going to Tokyo, which is really exciting. So I get to lift right next to these really world-class athletes. Um, the times, like especially the past few years where I'm with a team, I'm with a coach, I have a certain expectation of the work I'm supposed to get done every day in the gym. My discipline around my business um, goes way up. And it's actually enabled me to look at something really interesting in the entrepreneurial world, which is, you know, people that start businesses or run their own businesses. A lot, a lot, a lot of them are very busy, but Mm. not productive. And Mm. that's where I look at that discipline piece and go, well, they lack discipline. Um, and actually it's a running joke with my, my coach and I, cause I think he's strict and he thinks I'm undisciplined, but I, I am very disciplined around my lifting and it really, um, translates into my business and it allows me to be hyper productive and very focused and set goals. And it's really allowed me to learn how to do that in the gym. And then it just translates right into my business. See, this is why I love you because that is so absolutely true. Um, I it's interesting. I I don't know if you caught it yet, but a new podcast. I don't know when when this is going to be aired or when you're listening to this. People, you could be listening to this two years from now. But we are in 2018, and it is November. And I released a podcast um, on Thanksgiving last week that was about. Um, time folk like time blocking focus and goal setting and it a 100 percent is the same in how i schedule in my workouts and how they kind of flow through the day and one thing that i've learned is that you have to just take the step you have to take the step forward your next step whatever that is plan it in advance create that little that little map whether it's you know trusting your program or trusting the goals that you've set out and the steps you've created in advance you just take one step at a time and i think that for me that creates less chaos that's what takes the chaos out of my business is looking at it as one step at a time and i think that a lot of entrepreneurs Uh, part of the reason why they're busy but not productive is because you are pulled in so many different directions and it almost, I call it the hurricane. You get caught in the new business hurricane and there's no way to like see 
how to get from A to Z. And I just say, you just, you just do one, one letter at a time. Today you focus on going from A to B and then tomorrow you'll see what comes up. Absolutely. And that's where, um, like you said, that hurricane of overwhelm and, I almost, I almost think of it as, as like, if, if I were a hoarder, you know, this is how I would feel hoarding, right? And I was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff everywhere. I don't know where to start to clean. Um, it's like mental accumulation of all of these task lists. And it's funny because with lifting, my coach does my program. You know, everyone says, well, don't, you know, why do you have a coach? I'm like, Cause he writes my program. He's super scientific about it. And so, and a lot of athletes do that. They hire fitness mm -hmm. trainers, they hire yep. coaches, they hire people to say, I'm going to put the, the development of my athletic ability in your hands because you know what you're doing. And yet they go to their business and they're trying to do every single thing themselves. And they don't know how to delegate and automate and use systems to run their business. And then they, they get so overwhelmed because it's like, I got to do my bookkeeping and I got to do my taxes and I got to do my marketing and I write my content. And then I got to, you know, and it's like, you can't do all of that yourself. It's almost impossible. Maybe some people can, but most people can't. And so the people that end up working with me are at that point where they have a business, they have revenue. They know that this business is something that's going to, it's going to take off, but they're so overwhelmed. They don't know how to do it. And, and it's the same as, Hiring a nutritionist, you know, if, if you're not good at eating healthier, you don't know how to meal prep, you hire a nutritionist, they'll teach you how to do that. You know, hire a weightlifting coach, they'll teach you how to weightlift. And so I think that there's some, there's some, like, I don't know what it is like in people's brains where they think, I'll just do all this business stuff myself and not hire a team of people to, to help them. Oh my gosh. Yes. So much. Yes. Yeah. And I want to, I want to dive into all of that. But first, the first thing I wanted to add was that I, you know, I have a coach for strength and conditioning. I have a lifting coach that takes care of like all of my programming along the path, whatever it is, whether it's powerlifting or, you know, I've been in, as you know, I've been in strongman training for like six months. So she's adjusted my program, but she is my primarily, my primary strength and conditioning coach. Now I also have a strongman coach who helps me with the implements themselves like the events and the implements especially now getting ready to to train and I think everybody needs a coach when it comes to the physical stuff and even though I I am a strength and conditioning coach but I don't write my own programming I could but I know that I'm not thinking about it as objectively as somebody on the outside is especially when it comes to people like you and I who have recovered from injuries or illness or surgeries masters lifters that have whose bodies have been through crazy stuff not everybody gets that and you know my my strongman coach anthony he's amazing um but he doesn't have experience you know as strongly in that area but my strength and conditioning coach man she knows every part of how my body works and how it does not work and what things are not good um but anyway we could talk weightlifting all day but i want to talk the business <laughs> stuff but i think that before we do that i want to talk a little bit about your breast cancer story um can you share with us like when you were diagnosed and what that process was like with you? Because it's part of, you know, I didn't know you before you had breast cancer, but I assume that you already had that grit somewhere deep inside you. And, you know, mentally you had the fortitude to know that whatever challenge was going to come your way, that you were going to fight it. But I'm sure it's had a huge impact on you and your outlook on life. Absolutely. So I was diagnosed at 38. Um, I had had a mammogram three years earlier. I went in for a mammogram and um, got a call within a day. And they said, well, you, you know, we need to come back and you need to take, do another more focused mammogram. So we did that. They did an ultrasound. The radiologist said we need to do a biopsy. And then so 
first mammogram Monday, second was Wednesday, biopsy was, was um, Friday. So the next Monday, my primary care physician called me and he gave me my diagnosis. I had invasive um, breast cancer, invasive ductal carcinoma. Um, I had six tumors in my right breast, it turned out, and then um, surgery revealed that I had stage zero lobular cancer in my left breast. And then I had lymph nodes that were um, also positive. So basically I went to the surgeon to get kind of a evaluation of what our next steps were. And I said, I had a mammogram three years ago. What gives, man? And he said, oh, this, this cancer has been growing for six years, um, but a mammogram is like looking through fuzzy glasses. We, we really can't see a whole lot. An MRI is actually what saw the six tumors that we were then dealing with. Um, and so really, if you think about it, the cancer had started growing when I was 32 years old. So I was wow. quite young. And um, I know so many women who say, my doctor said, don't get a, a mammogram till I'm 40. And I'm like, go get your mammogram because I was diagnosed at 38 and it was invasive. It was spreading. So um, yeah, my first thoughts that went through my mind really were about my children. I have two kids. Um, my son Holden is 10 and my daughter Marin is 13. And I just, it wasn't a fear of death you know, everyone will die. And I just don't have that fear. It was a fear of leaving them without a mom. And I felt like they're still young and they need a mom for a couple decades at least. Right. So, um, that was my, that was my fear. That was my biggest fear. And then the other difficult thing is you don't know what's next. You don't know what you don't know. So the doctors start throwing terms at you. And now of course I know all of them and I can, I could talk to, you know, breast cancer oncologist in acronyms and terminology yeah. all day long, but um, it took a couple of weeks to get all the information and then you have to make decisions very quickly. So, you know, are you going to have a double mastectomy and then, oh, we're going to take nipples and then how are we going to reconstruct it? Are we going to do a lap flap or, a, or an implant? Or, and there's all of these decisions you have to make. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening with most cancer patients is you get diagnosed, you have the initial shock, and then you just go heads down. It's like fight mode. I'm going to fight this. Fight, 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 fight. And then you get through everything and you kind of pick your head up and you go, what just happened to me? And I mean, this is months later. So 2015 was a total hurricane of just surgeries and chemotherapy. And I was going through a divorce at the same time. I mean, it was horrible. And I just knew every day I just have to get up. I remember my therapist at the time said, you have three things to take care of every day, your health, your kids, and your um, finances. So every day you just have to say, what am I doing today for my health, my kids and my finances? Some days I was doing chemo, some days I was in the gym. That was my health and eating well. And then of course my kids had to be cared for. And then, it, you know, was I working and was I productive? So when I got through 2015, um, 2016 actually ended up also being a horrible year because then I had to deal with the emotional and psychological aftermath of right. going through, you know, cancer treatment and, um, and a divorce. Because most people, you know, that I know said, I was in the fetal position after my divorce and I didn't have cancer go at the same time. Yeah. So uh, a lot of therapy and a lot of um, breast cancer support um, organizations. And I'm not talking about like sitting in a circle, talking about our feelings. These are adventure um, organizations where you go out and you're traveling the world with other people that have cancer. Um, weightlifting was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, to get me through that. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a couple of years of really feeling like I was on shaky sand. Yeah. Um, so yes, it, it's, it's a lot of grit and a lot of resiliency that you just fight through it and then you have to heal. Yeah. Yeah. I know that 
you know, the statistics are really high for women in breast cancer. And I don't know what it is now, two in 10. Is that the? It's one in eight will get breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so as you know, I've had, you know, I've had several tumors. Um, I had one removed from my right breast, same, same location. And I ended up losing the outer whole portion of my breast because I developed a staph infection that went into my lymph system. And, you know, people ask me a lot about my feelings on, you know, that most private part of a female's body, um, you know, being so deformed at the end. And, you know, honestly, I dropped a lot of F-bombs when people would ask me that question, because when it came to your health and survival, I mean, it's just a boob. It's a boob. <laughs> it's, it's just a boob. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's some fat under skin. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that you had to go through the gamut of those emotions. And to know that you were going to one day be single again, um, I'm sure must have crossed your mind on what that would, you know, what that was going to be like. It's fascinating. I have a lot of friends now who are single young women, you know, they just have never been married yet, or they also went through divorce. And every woman I know handles it differently and, and how they tell a potential partner about their cancer. Oh, interesting. Fascinating. I literally have it written on like my dating profile. It's like breast cancer survivor mm. because a, I don't have breasts. I have implants B, I have had multiple surgeries. I cannot have any more children. I've had a hysterectomy. So talk about female organs being gone. Um, and that was a tough one because I'm like, okay, I don't have breasts. I don't have nipples. I don't have any female organs. Like what is going on? Um, but I really want to be upfront with people because if that's not something that somebody is willing to be okay with, talk about, you know, I mean, that's a no-go from the beginning. So yes, yeah. that those were all like scary things to process. But then I thought, as I've worked through all of the things with cancer and divorce, I've just learned to live more authentically. And that is part of who I am. And I'm not going to hide it or be weird about it. I'm just going to be super upfront and transparent, but that's my way. And it's, it's not for everybody, but it's how I've handled it. But it sure makes you absolutely fabulous. Like your, your spirit, your energy, your beauty shines through because you're so confident in just being yourself. And I think that that absolutely is a choice, right? We get to make a lot of choices in this, in, in any process in life. And you have chosen to stand up and tall and proud and confident. And it, it, it shows. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been a lot of work, but I feel like if you do the work and you can get to the core of who you are, and then just live authentically, all these good things start happening in your life. And yeah. you start rewriting beliefs that you may have even held subconsciously um, that you weren't even aware of. Because for me, like my limiting beliefs were like a whisper. It was like, I couldn't, I could hardly hear them, but I knew they were there. And it took a lot of work to uncover and dig down and find them. And then when I did, it was like, well, that's not true. And I was able to rewrite them and then, and then grow from that experience. I love that. And you're right. Everybody does that. There's not a single person out there who doesn't have some type of limiting belief in their life. And even when you overcome the ones that you, you know, are there, they can, they can pop up at different places in your life, whether you're under stress or if you're approaching new stuff, like I am launching a new subscription box this week, as you know, called Grit, Yay! Grace, and Glory. And if, um, if you want to know more about it, people, you can go to gx3box.com. But it, it brought up some, some, I don't want to say fear, but it brought it it brought up some. Not, I don't even want to say self doubt. It brought up that feeling again of launch jumping off a cliff, 
right? There's, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to jump off the cliff because I know it's the right thing to do. And nobody else I, that I know is doing this. I'm sure that half the people that, you know, are in my life are wondering what the heck is she adding a new product into an already busy <laughs> schedule. But I, I know that it's the right thing, but you always have those little bits of voices that come up at different times in your life, no matter how much you've solved them, they can reappear. Absolutely. And I think the thing that, that, um, is important is not you're you may not ever make the voices go away um because that's just how we're wired as human beings but it's learning to spot them and identify mm -hmm. them and label them and say hmm now i'm able to spot them you're just not along for the ride and letting those things just topple around in your head and affect that the decisions that you make it's going huh that's an interesting thought but uh, it's like when i tell my kids before you speak, is it, is it true? Is it, um, what is it? Is it true? Is it kind? And is it, um, there's a third one we always say, but you know, you say that to yourself. Is it true? Yes. Most of the time, those, if you really listen to that limiting belief, it, you go, well, no, that's not true. That's not true about me. And then you can just, you know, say, okay, well, that's, it's not true. I don't need to listen to it. Um, it's, it's just letting those things continue to rattle around and affect you and then starting to believe them which is what can be really damaging. So it's important to listen and then decide, is that true? And, you know, I always kind of joke with my kids, nobody knows what's happening in my head. I get to say the most amazing things to myself. Who cares? It's my, it's my own head. Nobody's listening but me. So right. might as well walk around saying great things about yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You know what? Here's what I did last week because I knew that I was going to have those worries about what other people were going to think and how it was going to be perceived. And, you know, I, I knew, and I knew that it didn't matter, but I did know that it could cause a little bit of delay in my timeline. So what I did was set these like goals for myself. Okay. You have 24 hours to approve a photo for the launch page. You have 24 hours to approve the content. You have 24 hours to send it to whoever you're going to send it to before you launch it to do a review. You have three days now, like that's it. I set myself three days. So literally each day I was at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, like looking at it thinking, okay, okay, I, I'm about to reach my like hour limit and boom, I just did it. But that's how I, that's how I like overcame those things that I knew were going to stop me because I already know that it's there. I already know it's going to feel like that. I already know. So I'm going to put the things in place to avoid that. So let's go into your, you know, sort of I want to say your serial entrepreneurialism. Is that a word? Serial uh, entrepreneurial? I, I think it is. Yeah. I think that's a word. Entrepreneurialism. Yeah. That's a word. <laughs> if it's not, we just made up one and you know, Perfect. we're cool like that. We can make up whatever words we want. We can. Um, so I know that you've done a lot with a bunch of different companies and I really like how you approach, you know, operations and systems. So tell us a little bit about your career and your history and business. Absolutely. So I'm going to take it back to 2002. I graduated from the University of Denver with an MBA. I got it in my head, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to get an MBA and that will be a really great track for me to, to uh, run a company. Little did I know it was just very expensive. And then this is no knock on DU. It's an excellent school, excellent MBA program. But in this day and age, I don't think that that's something that you necessarily need to do to be successful in business. But I did that and I learned a lot and I loved it. And um, I got out of school and I went into a career in marketing. So I worked at mm. a company called um, Wild Oats, which was acquired by Whole Foods. And I was a marketing manager for them. 
And then when I left, I was having babies and married, you know, newly married and all of those fun things. And I started a marketing agency and ran that for a couple of years. Um, and then let me think about the timing here. So I ran that for a couple of years. Um, and then I decided I wanted to do something more with kids. This was such a funny little side note for me, but, um, I started a new company that was an art education company for kids. And we worked all over Denver. We were in schools all over Denver, after school programs. Everything was like awesome growing. And then 2008 hit. Uh. So nobody was spending money on after school programs uh, for their kids. And my, uh, my ex-husband was laid off in, in 2008. Like we had our son in October, he was laid off in December and it was just a super hard time for us. So mm. um, I kind of closed that business. Um, and I, I kind of ran it for a little while longer and then I closed it and I think it was like 2010, he uh, got a job with Accenture and was traveling a lot and I was kind of trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And I was doing the odd things here and there. And at that time I discovered the career of recruiting mm. and I went and I became um, a tech recruiter and I did that for about a year and a half. And then I started my own recruiting company and I was running that up until July of this year it was very successful. Um, I loved running my business. I did not love doing my business. Mm. So that I just kind of hit a wall this summer and I thought, I'm really good at running my business and I love running my business. I just don't like the actual recruiting um, part of it. So at the same time, I was having a lot of women entrepreneurs and, and men entrepreneurs too kind of come to me for advice and strategy and realizing I have you know, 16 years as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm, right. um, under my belt and all of these different experiences throughout that time that I've developed an incredible, like, you know, library in my head of all of these uh, resources and strategies and just ways of thinking about things. And even my MBA, you know, people used to ask me, well, don't you know, accounting, you have an MBA. And I said, no, I took a half of a quarter of a semester. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a degree in problem solving. And so what I decided this year is I really wanted to use my intellect and my ability to problem solve and what I understand about operations and strategy and help companies grow. So I started coaching and consulting and literally right out of the gate, I got three paying clients um, that are have businesses that are making money and they just needed help growing. And then um, in the last six weeks, I have two companies that I work as a fractional COO for. Uh, both of them are raising money right now. They One's been in business for two years and one's been in business for four. And I'm really just helping these entrepreneurs kind of get over that hump of, okay, I have, a, I have this great idea. Oh, and I have revenue. Okay, well, now what? You know, now what do I do? And understanding like, A, you can't do it alone. And you have to have systems, automations, and delegations set up so that you can run your company you know, for these two companies, they need to be the face of the company. They need to be providing leadership, doing an investor relations. Um, and so as a COO, anybody that's hired in operationally actually would report to me. The way I explain it is it's not, it's not a hierarchical thing. I actually don't want to manage anybody. It, my, the way that I work is I remove obstacles. So anybody in the company that has something that they're struggling with or something that doesn't go right, or they need budget, I help remove obstacles. So I help the CEO understand that operational piece so that you get out of people's way and let them do their business. So there's a couple layers to how I work. And one of them is understanding when to delegate, how to hire really top-notch people, 
Sometimes it's as simple as delegating to an offshore team to do graphic design or having someone help you uh, identify a Facebook audience for some ads because maybe you've never done that before. So you can still do the work, but relying and leaning in on those people that you know, do this for a living and they can really inform decisions for you. Yeah, I think you're going to crush it in that field. You are, you are absolutely right. And so many of those things we get in our own way about. I, I'm just as guilty of it. In fact, I remember the first time you and I had lunch, you gave me a little tidbit on, I was telling you that I'm not a very good writer, but I have to create so much content for this podcast and for the blogging that I do. And you suggested this smart little app where I get to go in and just hit the record button. And while I'm driving and doing other things, all the thoughts that keep coming to me for my podcast content, I can just dump it in there and it turns it into text. And that has been already in the short time that I've been using that, that has already been life-changing. And I would have never thought to automate something that's currently taking me hours to do and has dropped it two minutes because the number one thing that you're addressing in a lot of these cases is the fact that we have limited time. And when you're, when you're not only you know the visionary of your company, but you're doing the maintenance and the actual work of your company, because you're at that stage, time is your number one most precious commodity. So finding ways to free that up is just brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you know, really, because what ends up happening is with a lot of entrepreneurs, they'll say, but I don't have the money to hire anybody. Okay, well, then let's look at systems. Like you said, systems and automations in ways that you can get the work done in a shorter period of time and then be efficient with it, be productive and then get it scheduled. So like for me, if I look at social media content that I'm pushing out, I will spend one to two days just solid creating content for the next month and then I schedule it all. So yeah. right now that's my entire day tomorrow is just like creating images and writing posts and scheduling it all. And then I don't have to think about December. Now I'm still going to go in and engage but I'm not sitting there going, oh, I should post something in five minutes. What should I post? I don't know. What should I do tomorrow? It's right. already planned out right. and it's done. And then it's off my plate and I can focus on strategy or serving my clients. Um, it was funny because I was helping um, one of the, the companies that I am a COO for last night. And he said to me, Stephanie, we've gotten more done in one week than I've done in six months working yeah, that's with amazing. you. Yeah. And it was such a huge compliment because I said, well, yeah, I go, I'm, I'm the girl that, you know, I GSD, get shit done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I was recently telling someone that um, I'm a 5% planner and 95% doer because it's easy to get caught in that process, especially when you're feeling like you're doing a lot of things solo. You know, your constant theme of what you've been saying is that you, you can't do any of this alone because none of us can do all things all the time perfectly. It's just not possible, especially if you plan to scale. I mean, if you want to be a a service contractor, right? And, and just, you know, be a consultant. That's different because in that case, you're scheduling just those work times. But if you're developing a company that has the opportunity to grow, you can't, you can't be in all those places. And honestly, I don't want to be in all those places. I really don't like doing the accounting. It's not my thing. I think you've just pretty much given me permission to go out and hire somebody to do my bookkeeping because it's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have a service for you. <laughs> I love it. I always have these systems for everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and plus you're resourceful. And I, I think that that's, that's, that's a, a big thing. I wrote a little note here that you're like the operations fixer. You're like a business fixer. We need to give you like a new name, like 
you need to be like the some sort of fixer or something or other. You know, it's funny because uh, a friend of mine who's the CFO of a company and uh, we were talking the other day and he looked at me and he goes, you're like the plunger. And I said, I can't say that I'm the plunger. And he goes, okay, you're like Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction. Because if you remember that movie, he just walks in and says, I solve problems. <laughs> I think that is totally true. You do solve problems. And um, so tell us what's, I, I know you're, you're in this space of really developing your business and you have clients, you're actually already doing the work and you've been doing this work for many, many, many years. It's the same with me. You, you open a business to do it on your own, but you know, this, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been doing this work for more than 14 years. So how do you feel about the stage that you're at in your company? And where, like, where do you see your you know, next six months you know, projecting out to? You know, that's a great question. And one of the things that really drove me to start doing this is specifically women entrepreneurs. I saw they have a really difficult time getting to, I don't know if it's mindset. I think there's a big part of it that's mindset. Of course, we live in this society where, um, you know, women get like less than 2% of all uh, VC capital money to invest in their businesses. Um, but I saw specifically women entrepreneurs who weren't taking that leap and they weren't taking their business to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I think these women need to know how to run their business and that it's okay to delegate. You know, we as women typically just take on the world, right? We're moms right. and we're weightlifters and we do all these things. We run these businesses. And so it's really training women entrepreneurs how to operate their business, that they can do it. Cause a lot of them say I'm very big picture and I'm very visionary, but I don't, I don't get down in the details. Okay. Well, you don't have to, if you know how to delegate, automate, use systems, hire, there's all these operational things, which happen in business. You know, if you look at any successful business, it's not one person, it's a team of people. So getting out of their head that they have to do everything themselves and getting them out of doing their business and into running their business. So that was really the impetus of what pushed me into doing this because I realized like I have a skill that I could teach these, these entrepreneurs. And it's funny because now, of course, I, I work with men and women. I don't just work with women. And that was really the big push. And so it's just started snowballing. And I'm definitely taking new clients in. I'm very picky about who I work with because I want businesses that have revenue that are ready to grow. It's not mm -hmm. just I have an idea or I opened a website. These are businesses that are ready to grow. Um, so I'm definitely taking on new one-on-one um, -on -one coaching clients. I'm developing a group coaching course right now that um, will help really, it's a very results-driven course. So anything I do, it's there's task lists and you're going to see the work get done every single week. Um, there's some mindset training, but it's, it's not going to be super heavy on just making you feel good about yourself. It's about getting stuff done. And so that's really what I focus on. And, and it's, it's training them how to do these things on their own. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you're good at your job, they don't need you anymore. That's true. And if you're the CEO and you've figured out how to build a team, then you get to go and work in your genius, which is the leadership and vision of the company. Right. Right. I, I, I was listening to another podcast recently that said, you don't want a client forever. 
you know, in service-based industries, like what you do and what I do, I work in a different niche field, but it's a, it's a business to business service. You don't want clients forever. You want to be there for them if, you know, shit hits the fan and they, they need some recouping or they fall off course, but you really want to give them the tools and empower them to embrace those growth strategies on their own. Because really that's, that's, that's where the, that's where the road meets the pavement or the pavement meets the road, whatever that saying is that, if you empower them to learn how to do it themselves and they internalize it, that's where the success comes. But if you give them the bandaid and you become the bandaid, it doesn't necessarily correct the problem. Absolutely. And that's why I decided to offer the fractional COO um, services as well. So there's the, you know, there's the one-on-one coaching, the group, the group coaching, but then the fractional COO really allows me to go in on a fractional basis and help them grow their business And then when they're ready to have a full-time COO, I can actually find the candidates for them. And instead of them trying to, you know, sort through hundreds of resumes, I can present two or three people and say, this person would be great. They could work full-time for you. I've interviewed them. We make a decision. I train that person and they're off and running. You know, this is not something where I'm fractional because I'm going to end up being there as a full-time COO, but it's just getting them through that next level so that they can actually get to having that full-time operational person. I love it. I absolutely love what you're doing. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you and find out more about you know, how you can work with their business or if you would be a good fit, what's the best place for them to reach you? So I'm on Facebook. You can just look up Stephanie Lindquist, L-I-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T. And it should be pretty easy to find. Uh, there's not many of us on there. Um, and then uh, Instagram, at Stephanie Lindquist. And you can email me. Um, my, my email address is me at stephanielindquist.net. Awesome. And I'll include your information in the show notes too. So if anybody is, wants to stalk you and they're not, they're having trouble, most of the time, you know, they can find me and leave a comment on the Facebook page or email me and I'll send them to you because I think you offer really good services. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to relate to the stage that, you know, you're talking about that a lot of entrepreneurs hit, which is okay. I dreamed big. I did it. Here I am. I'm doing it. But now what? Now what? Now, now, now what? Now I have a little money and now what's, what's my next big thing? And it's not just operationally, but like you said, that mindset shift. I had someone um, ask me recently because I was talking and forecasting on this new subscription box. We're talking numbers and goals. And this person said, well, why are you thinking at that level? Like multiply that by five and then let's talk about it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it like that. And it was just somebody randomly said it on the outside. And I thought, wow, we already put ourselves on different trajectories or can't see the big picture because you're caught in the weeds and, and you know, in new stages of business, you get caught in the weeds. It happens. You get caught in the weeds. That's absolutely true. And it doesn't have to be that way for long. And that's the thing is where, you know, I feel like offering group coaching as, Hey, okay, you can't afford to have me one-on-one or you can't afford to have me on fractional. Great. Do the group coaching and learn how to do all this stuff yourself and automate and create systems and delegate and when to do that and when to, to be overseeing the development of something versus actually in there doing it. And then how to work your way out of the doing of your business and into the running of your business. That's the hugest shift for most entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's, that's your, that's a really good point. Tell me about uh, the group coaching. Do they, do the people in the group like communicate offline as well? Like, do they have, you know, do you have a Facebook group for them or a shared space where they can go and collaborate? 
Yeah. So the program is called Unstuck Yourself. Um, and that's, that's going to be the entire group coaching program. And then there'll be a Facebook group, um, component with that. And, um, the other piece that I like is I, I put everybody into a Slack channel. So that way, you know, people have questions, they can get into Slack and they can, we can share files and we can communicate with one another, uh, but they can also communicate with each other. Cause I have found a lot of these coaching groups, you know, you end up finding people that you connect with and then you go. Hey, I have a, I have an idea. I'll run it by that person because they're, they're really doing something interesting yeah. over there. And so it's also just kind of bringing all of these people together and connecting them. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be really exciting and it's truly going to help people get unstuck in their business. I almost can see you at some point putting that together in some type of mastermind group where when they're done with the group coaching itself and they want to continue on on their own. I mean, maybe that's going to be like your own select little, you know, creation of masterminds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm personally in um, a, a group of five women. It's me and four other women in Denver. Um, and one of the other girls has talked about that, you know, kind of the hive of five. There's like five, when you get five people together, it's a really good number. And we um, get together once a month and actually advise on each other's businesses. Mm, and that has been, we've been doing it for well over a year. Um, we call it the power circle. And it's been absolutely phenomenal because it's a safe place for us to go and say, Oh, I'm frustrated or I tried this thing and it didn't work. And these brilliantly mm. smart women who all understand, we all understand each other's businesses. We all get together and we, we advise each other and it's been awesome. So I really would love to build out something like that. Yeah, that sounds great. I could totally see that going right up your alley. Well, Stephanie, you are absolutely incredible. And I, I love that you share your inspirational story because it's only, it's, it, although it's only a small part of you, it's a part of um, what I definitely can relate to. And of course, the fact that you are, uh, you know, a butt kick and weightlifter just warms my heart as well. And my last question for you, which I like to ask all of my guests is what percentage of grit and grace are you? Like what percentage of grit and then what percentage of grace or both yeah. of them together? <laughs> so, okay. Out of a hundred percent, which portion of you is gritty and which portion of you is graceful today? Cause I know it changes. Oh boy. Well, I, my mother jokingly would say grace every time I, I tripped or something. Cause I swear my life is, I'm like Lucille Ball most days. So I, I think the grace is pretty low most of the time. I, love <laughs> but it. I, I show up well, <laughs> but what goes it. behind it is a lot of work. Um, I definitely have quite a bit of great uh, grit. So I, I, I would probably go pretty high percentage on grit. Um, let's go with 80% grit and 20% grace. <laughs> nice. See, you actually just repeated the numbers that I would write for myself today. And I know it changes on a daily basis. I, you know, I strive for 50, 50, um, you know, but I know that when you're in the action mode, the GSD mode, that is all grit. <laughs> <laughs> it is all grit and it's sometimes not pretty, but we get through it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I'm so glad that you're able to join me and you guys were in for such a treat because Stephanie is absolutely incredible. And you, um, you know, you know, you can find her at stephanielinquist.net. You, know, you can find her on social media. I will include her information in the show notes and please follow up with her if, if any of this resonates with you. And if you want to find out more about, you've heard me mention a couple of times that there's a brand new subscription box coming to market and we have our pre-launch details up. You can find it at gx3box.com, which stands for the Grit, Grace and Glory box. And we will keep you posted. And thanks again for joining me, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Tower Lee.
And my friends, go be fierce.